want to do is uh, just have a seminar on Upadesha Amrita, verses 2, 3, and Anya Mandi. So this is the first verse here, the second verse, the first verse we discussed. Atyahaya Payaschascha, Pajalpa Miyamagraha, Janasangastilovyamcha, One's devotional service is spoiled when he becomes too entangled in the following six activities. One, eating more than necessary or collecting more funds than required. Two, over-endeavoring for mundane things that are very difficult to obtain. Three, talking unnecessarily about mundane subject matters. For practicing the scriptural rules and regulations only for the sake of following them and not for the sake of spiritual advancement, or rejecting the rules and regulations of the scriptures and working independently of associated with worldly minded persons who are not interested in Christian consciousness, and six, being greedy for mundane achievements. Tomorrow we'll just still describe the six things which are beneficial for Krishna consciousness. And then after that, the six volumes of Chinese. So, again, this uh, verse probably explains that there's three shots, three energies. There's internal energy, there's the. What's the internal energy now? Antaranga Shakti. There's the middle energy, and then there's Jiva Shakti, that's who we are, and then there's the external energy, Mahayana Shakti, which is Mahamaya. So Yoga Maya and Mahamaya. Now if somebody is under the protection of Krishna, that means you're under the protection of Krishna's spiritual potency. We do that by absorbing ourselves in Krishna's service. O son of Peter, those who are not deluded, the great souls, are under the protection of the divine nature. They are fully engaged in devotional service because they know me as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, original and inexhaustible. So Mahatmas are the great souls, broad-minded, Krishna conscious. So, say that we're working from this platform of devotional service, then how we can get deviated from that by these six different uh, activities. In other words, we'll have a deviation means that we get drawn into Mahamaya. We get taken out from the shelter of the uh, Yoga Maya who's engaging us in Krishna's service, and we leave an opening for Mahamaya to take over. Mahamaya is always in this material world ready to serve you. Barbara explained that she's just like a shadow. She's shedding you at every moment. Doesn't matter if you're one year devotee or one month or you're ten years or for thirty years, she's always ready to serve you. Until you go back to the spiritual world, she's there. What being an older devotee means, or more experienced devotee, is that you uh, alert to remain under the protection of Yoga Maya and to avoid, we don't, we don't want the service of Mahamaya. Everything we have in contact with the material world is done in a very 
and all that stuff. So he's gradually addressing my good association, my practicing, and they start to develop more and more pace for their spiritual life. So then it becomes imperative that they don't lose the pace. It's so hard to get this spiritual taste, and it's very easy to lose it. So the tips on how not to lose it are very important. Tomorrow we'll discuss how to maintain it. But here, first, uh, our Rupa uh, Goswami has given us six things to avoid. So we're going to order he gave them. What we do for our normal bodily maintenance is not going to get us in kingdom. If we do everything in moderation, if we do things for Krishna, we're going to remain under protection. But a little bit of excess, a little deviation, and then we can get into trouble. Prabhupada, this here in the purple, a very nice example. It says, according to nature's arrangement, living entities lower on the evolutionary scale do not eat or collect more than necessary. Consequently, in the animal kingdom, there is generally no economic problem or scarcity of necessities. If a bag of rice is placed in a public place, birds will come to eat a few grains and go away. A human being, however, will take away the whole bag. He will eat all his stomach and hold and then try to keep the rest in storage. According to scriptures, this collecting of more than necessary, atyahara, is prohibited. Now the entire world is suffering because of it. Anyone give any example of atyahara in the modern world yet? And Air-conditioned caves with few storage of um, butter because uh, they don't want to flood the world market with too much butter or the price. But America has a system of distributing the butter through some aid. You get it in the form of butter oil. We got some of that one time during the war in uh, India in 1971, the previous war with Pakistan, both is not a future one. So, <coughs> sometimes in India you find that people, the, <coughs> they hoard, it's called hoarding. They buy all the rocks, they the sugar in the market. And they create an artificial scarcity. And then the price goes up. And those are hoarding and they sell and uh, make more profit. So then the government has uh, anti hoarding laws. So anyway. that would be another form of up to your So it doesn't only mean eating more than we need, but it also just means collecting and storing more than we need. That doesn't mean that we have to shouldn't have some kind of uh, reserve fund. We know that if we have to 25 percent that can keep our reserve. And that Prabhupada used to say that his father would uh, purchase all the food grains for the whole year, once a year. In those days things were so uh, inexpensive that for the for few rupees we could buy enough rice for the whole year. So once a year you just buy bulk 
all those green feathers, you know, five pounds or five kilo bags every month for spots by the jerk if you had a storage room this time. So that wouldn't be considered a terror just if I want to say, let's say somebody wants to hoard some food tomorrow. Because what happens the next thing is this process, over-endeavoring. Over-endeavoring, over-endeavoring for mundane things that are very difficult to obtain. The first somebody works very hard, collects some more money, more grains, more things, says the word good. So that's not needed. But to do that, you have to work overtime. And if you're working overtime, all these become things that, that take away from the time you could give for Krishna. So we get entangled in the over-endeavoring for mundane things. Sometimes, uh, in Prabhupada said building a temple, if it's like uh, too big in proportion to the capacity of the devotees, sometimes you know the temples are taken up. Very ambitious uh, development projects with so big compared to the capacity of devotees to do it that for years and years they struggled, you know, because it was a very big thing. Many devotees, if they over endeavor, maybe the project was never realized or it took an excessively long time. So, seeing what our capacity is, someone has the capacity, it's okay. But over-endeavor depends on your ability to endeavor. What a normal amount of work can be. Any examples I want to think of over-endeavoring? I'm not sure we want to use it. There's a simple one. They've gone to build for over 10 years. I've been going for 10 years just trying to get the funding to do it. Doing a temple slowly, if, if everything else is going on, people aren't. That may be that someone plans to do things, something very rational. But if it's done, it's like when you sacrifice everything else, all your normal programs to do something. You can do side by side, you can may not be an over and over as such. Yeah. Over endeavor is thinking of Alexander the Great. He was a complete over endeavor. He had no there's no reason why he had to do what he did. He kept conquering places but he had no way of maintaining them. Mm. And lost himself in the end. And if he would conquer and go on, then he would lose it afterwards. Mm. And lost himself. Sometimes uh, people, devotees, work two jobs, so much, and when they are in, it may not be necessary to work so hard. They could, they could work a little more simply and uh, Give some time for their spiritual life. Sometimes people start off with a reason, like it's like, let's just work hard, do a marathon, and then we'll save money, and then we'll do more Christian consciousness. But in the meantime, because of all the over and they burn themselves out, and then at the end, they're not able to achieve their original goal. That's why it's important that we have are able to maintain a steady practice of Krishna consciousness. And we don't um, over and over to the extent that, that we're going to lose our basic practices. <clears throat> so, so collecting and eating more than necessary causes prayasa or unnecessary endeavor. 
Like God's arranging anyone in any part of the world can live peacefully if you have some random remote power. There's no need for men to move from one place to another or no livelihood. But one can produce food chains locally and get milk from the cow that can solve all economic problems. Fortunately, man has been given high intelligence for the cultivation of Krishna consciousness. Well, the understanding of God, one's relationship with him, the ultimate goal of life, love of God. Unfortunately, so-called civilized men, not caring for God's realization, utilizes intelligence to get more than necessary and simply eat to satisfy the current. By God's arrangement, there is scope, sufficient scope for the production of milk and things for human beings all over the world, but instead of using their high intelligence to cultivate God consciousness, so-called intelligent men misuse their intelligence to produce many unnecessary unwanted things. Those factories, slaughterhouses, brothels, liquor houses are open. The people are advised not to collect too many goods, eat too much, or work unnecessarily to possess artificial amenities. They think they are being advised to return to a primitive way of life. Generally, people do not like to accept plain living and high thinking. That is their unfortunate position. Human life is meant for God realization and a human being is given higher intelligence for this purpose. Those who believe that this higher intelligence is meant to attain a higher state should follow the instructions of the literatures. By taking such instructions from higher authorities, one can actually become <coughs> situated in perfect knowledge of your real meaning to life. So this describes all our occupational duties are ultimately meant to be performed for ultimate liberation, not just for sense gratification or material gain. Sometimes problems people invent some religious system or misuse religion for the purpose of accumulating more. So then instead of using religion for realization or God consciousness, it's also another facility to get Atyahara, to get richer. Prabhupada said, if our endeavor or prayas is not to inquire about the absolute truth, we will simply increase our endeavor to satisfy artificial needs. A spiritual aspirant should avoid mundane endeavor. Krishna says about Bhagavad Gita, Yukta Haras, Yukta Viharas, that we moderate our recreation rather than our eating, moderate our activity. We do that, we do everything for Krishna, one of the proper guidance of one of our spiritual masters. We do things in the downstream and we protect it. Prabhupada says another impediment is Pujalpa. Who knows what Pujalpa means? Unnecessary talking, gossiping, rumor mongering, just loose kind of talk. When we mix with a few friends, Prabhupada says, we merely begin unnecessary talking, sounding just like the cooking toads. If we must talk, we should talk about the Krishna Consciousness Movement. Those outside of the Krishna Consciousness Movement are interested in reading heaps of newspapers, magazines, novels, solving crossword puzzles, doing many other nonsensical things. In this fashion, people simply waste their valuable time and energy. In the Western countries, old men retired from active life, play cards, fish, watch television, and debate about useless social political schemes. All these and other frivolous activities are included in the Pajalpa category. Intelligent persons interested in Krishna consciousness should never take part in such activities. But when you're in ashram, you can actually practice this. But if you're looking in the material world, they talk. Because at least you have to. I made a mistake because I was living in an ashram and I was working outside to make money for the temple in Montreal 1968. So I was just you know, strictly following the ashram brahmachari standard, Ubatha, working outside in the material world. So I made so many enemies. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they were talking anybody. I was, you know, <laughs> I was very good. I just, I didn't want to lose my spiritual life. I had the money. We had no way of making money for the temple. There were no books in those days. There was no congregation. So they told everybody to get out and get a job. So it took me about, those things, six jobs to figure out I had to set to this play, you know, play a game with the people without getting too much in pain. It was very austere. Because everybody wants to just talk all kinds of crazy nonsense. And, and nobody, you know, nobody's interested in spiritual life, so. But you have to like, uh, to keep it to a minimum. It's pretty hard. I, I really appreciate all the devotees who work outside and remain Krishna conscious because I know from my little experience I have it. It's uh, very difficult because of the lack of um, spiritual association in that environment. But uh, so you want to internalize this. It doesn't talk so much. People start to know it. It's a little more spiritually oriented person. You can't be too fanatical in your personal feelings, but I remember like I always admired uh, Janavilas and Pantajangri, the Pukajaris in Mayapur, because I go and talk to them about something with our community worship, and then because I was the president or the co-director of Mayapur, so then somebody come up and ask me something else. I looked and we, they wouldn't be there anymore. It's like we didn't involve them, they just were like submissive powers, boom, they just disappeared. And they just did not even, even though it was devotional service, but it wasn't involving them. They didn't just hang around. I don't know, once we can hang around, what's going on? They weren't. They just did their service and it was about Krishna, especially if it was something like <coughs> some complained about some devotee or something. They didn't like to hear all those things unnecessarily. So, this unnecessary talking. I remember it was always, uh, for me, when somebody started talking something which I, I knew was not, couldn't seem to me to be Krishna conscious or something I really wanted to participate in, then I always wanted to somehow bring that conversation back to Krishna. Everyone have that experience? How do you do that? What's your technique? Bob? In my life, I've left a few there. I'll be talking about different things, and uh, I'll be attaching them about what they do and all that. So as it's conscious on the general, I'm trying to think, just trying to get a picture, not necessarily picture and detail, but the myth of nature, soul, and all that, and then they start getting interested, and they talk about life and all that, and then they get absorbed in it, and then Hari Bol! You hear somebody dumping and driving a taxi. Get a long ride and you can preach to them by the time the end of the ride you buy some food. <laughs> so they want to change the subject to do some mundane thing and so bring it back to something philosophical. Manji, you were saying? You had some way of reading it. Back to Krishna, this is my mother. If it's bad with allergies, maybe. I'm sorry, I can't get into talk. I've got laryngitis. Oh, sorry. That's probably the best I won't say anything. Can't do anything to Jaza. Can't do anything to Krishna. What did you say? So she can't say it. You whisper it, she can't hear it. <laughs> uh, if someone's um, speaking something, starts to speak something that's bad about another devotee, then you just um, try and turn the conversation away from what they're saying, turn it around to be more positive, to glorify the devotees. Any other practical suggestion? How to apply this? Leave it to Krishna and pray. Pardon? Just cut it short saying leave it to Krishna and pray. Okay, that's the abrupt way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I generally find that I, I 
simply see what their interest is. And I don't know, because we're naturally always hearing philosophy, I always, my mind brings everything to fundamentals anyway, and somehow I bring that into the conversation. Because they're interested in... So you just philosophize the conversation and then the conversation then back to Krishna? Well, yeah, because it's, everything comes down to a fundamental and eventually you say so and they agree because they've got that far. So you've got to be patient, you've got to put up with all this other talk about this and that and why and, and then eventually bring it to that. If you just cut them short, they just think you're rude. Because mm -hmm. that's the tendency because it... I mean, um, I'm presently doing work experience and it's very hard to listen to someone. I mean, I think, why do they even want to talk about it? It's, it's nothing more interesting, I guess, for them. But if you talk to someone, you can bring it around. But it is a bit of austerity. You have to go through all this sort of soap opera of their life. <laughs> If you're in a work environment, then you have to go to that. Maybe in a more intimate circle, sometimes it can be about to get away with that. You find that as a, as a devotee advances, then uh, one of the symptoms of an advanced devotee is that they can't stay out of devotional service. They have to always be doing devotional service, otherwise it's like it's like they start feeling withdrawal symptoms. They're addicted to devotional service. As if they're feeling like uneasy. Like I'm not I'm not doing something that I can see so immediately you start saying oh, there's something there's a, a sixth, hundred and eight sense that uh, warns you that you're you're going into Mahamaya territory here. You're, you're not you're losing you're going out of the protection. And you don't feel happy about it. So that kind of, of a sense develops, and then you want to bring back the conversation with Krishna or end it or do something. So it's very natural to want to always remain in the somehow a Krishna environment. Now, at least the women in the workplace, they can think in your mind about Krishna. Not just dive into a, a job session. For someone very new, they probably just, you know, for a while they just get out of devotional thought altogether for a while, and occasionally they're coming into it. But once devotional service, like the yoga means to be immersed in devotional service all the time. And so only it can achieve that, and they're actually always feeling that type of spiritual peace and happiness. But uh, we call it bliss. Though these things are what will take us out of it. Just getting into some pajapas and unbidden. So bringing things back to Krishna, connecting things up to Krishna, that maybe you feel some have a greater sense to it. Philosophizing on that topic. The best, of course, is to be able to directly talk about Krishna, it's not always possible. I found that when most people are working, you have to do work, so. Don't ask too much of us, does it mind? Just the other workers. <laughs> 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 so, you know, it's all good. Then you got here, Jana Sangha. That's kind of like the technology we can Shamartam Das Thakur has therefore advised us to live only in the association of Krishna conscious devotees, Bhakta Sanivas. One should always engage in the service of the Lord in the association of the Lord's devotees. Association with those engaged in a similar line of business is very conducive in advancement in that business. Consequently, materialistic persons form various associations and clubs to enhance their endeavors. For example, in the business world, we find such institutions as the Stock Exchange and Chamber of Commerce. Similarly, we have established the International Society for Krishna Councils to give people an opportunity to associate with those who have not forgotten Krishna. The spiritual association offered by our ISKCON movement is increasing day by day. 
Many people from different parts of the world are joining the society to awaken the dormant Krishna consciousness. So, giving up this is Associating with worldly-minded persons who are not interested in Krishna consciousness. But that's where the advantage of the Anashram life, one can more or less apply this. But again, one's, uh, one's living and working in the material world, then obviously you have to interact with your fellow work colleagues and your family members, neighbors, and so many people. But that in itself is not going to be a big entanglement. But there's a kind of a level, like later on in the two verses, you know, it says about sharing love with others. One is opening your mind. So one level of association with somebody is like really like revealing your mind to somebody and telling them about their inner thoughts and hearing that person's inner thoughts. So if the person is uh, not a devotee, you really don't want to hear their inner thoughts. Unless you want to guide them and help them out of the burden of your roles. But just like to be absorbed in their desires in, in, a, in a kind of a friendship way, it's not going to be very spiritually uplifting. We can give association to someone who is strong enough, and that, and that we try to help people. So even when we hear their problems, we hear what they're doing, we're doing it more like a, a doctor or a counselor to help them to get out of that. That's another thing. Just kind of opening and sharing in a loving way without uh, someone who's not a devotee, and that becomes kind of entangling. You know how association, like uh, recently, we was celebrated in Rishina Chaturdasi, and there Pallavi talks about association. He says association is just like a mirror. You tend to be associating with some persons. You tend to mirror their natures. Probably this example is somebody associates with uh, people that smoke and tend to start smoking. If you associate with the people who take drugs, then it's pretty easy to follow to taking drugs. If you follow with people who are drinking, you might start drinking. If you with people, people, there was once uh, new devotees in Atlanta, Georgia, America. And uh, for some reason they left the association of uh, the temple devotees and stopped coming for a while. And uh, so the, the wife was more Krishna conscious. She wanted to go with the husband, had his friends. Friends. So the friends uh, driving around town in their car. And one of the friends that decided to just uh, take out a gun and shoot somebody as a driving by. Fun, right? Totally the mode of ignorance type thing. And the police apprehend them. So they're all arrested for attempted murder. 20 years sentence. Putting, for the first time he went out with his friends, and apparently it was like not a regular thing that he would say, come on, come along, we'll have some fun, you know. Goes out with the friends and they're in Tamagun and they do some crazy thing. And uh, so then nobody would tell who actually did it because of, you know. So then they're, all of them are, they know somebody in the car did it, so they're just keeping everybody in there. And the wife was uh, really, she came to see me, she was so much, you know, please help my husband. He can do. Well, definitely, we're going to come back to Krishna devotee association. It's like the worst thing. You know, he got into this the Maya association. But he's in the, that time was in jail. But somehow, I, I eventually got, uh, we saw what we did after that, uh, came back and left that kind of association. But to choose a good association, a spiritual association, to avoid association is greater. It's one thing just to officially in our work we have to be talk to people. But it's another thing like to go out and enjoy with them. 
officers pass the time in some kind of uh, work, material activities. That type of association is what we want to especially avoid. So that's where if people have a Krishna conscious family and they make a house or a temple, associate with the boys or the temple or with other devotees, create a circle. It's hard in the beginning because since someone first they come in, all their old friends. Now, sometimes they try to bring those friends, sometimes you can't bring them. Sometimes you can't, sometimes they're not be interested. They don't have the same quality, they don't feel the same inspiration for spiritual life at that time. So then they start to feel you know, the loss of their friends. So it's a known principle in our congregational teaching that you have to give a lot of support to new people. Be very friendly to them, make them feel that they belong. Because uh, they may be losing so many friends by being devotees. They're starting to practice Krishna consciousness because the interest of a spiritual minded person are going to be different. In fact, Bhagavad Gita says like day and night. And those who are in the mode of goodness, for them it's a time of awakening, it's a time of sleeping for those who are in the, the mode of evening. So that when people are going in that transition from a materialistic lifestyle to a spiritual lifestyle, that many of the friends and contacts they had, they're not to be very conducive for the spiritual life, and they may not be interested in practicing with them, so then they need friends. So like the next verse says, that this verse tells to give out material association, the next verse tells to take the spiritual association. Everything has to be replaced. All these things you can't just like the Mahaprajabas don't talk. Talk about Krishna. No material association, no association, we cannot hurt it. That's not the solution. Nobody can do that. Very few of them. The idea is then to find the Rodi association. Avoid getting too much entangled with this mundane association. It's something that to be honest with both parents who have a different. Gold on my life, keeping my life, you know, and I don't have the same interest as I used to hear. I, I see something deeper. This is what Lord Chaitanya did to his students when he became Krishna conscious. He, he told his students that, that they complained to him that you used to tell us all mundane are. And uh, examples for the Sanskrit uh, education. Now we're talking all about Krishna. And Lord Chaitanya confided them, I'm telling you about Krishna because I realized that this Krishna is the supreme, absolute truth. He's the son of mortal, he's everything. So how can I give you an education which is less than what I know? I can't cheat you, it's just to please you. But if you don't want to study under me anymore because you don't want to study only in a mundane point of view, then it's all right with me. You're all free to go. But if you want to study under me now, you're going to learn the Sankirtan process, Chanhai Krishna Gandhi, and you're going to learn from me about the absolute truth. If I'm your teacher, I'm going to teach you the best I know. I'm not going to teach you halfway. Please do. It's up to you what you want. Then, but these students stood up and said, you always do what else the best, and now if you realize that this is the best, you want to stay with you. You don't want to leave it, but you can't blame us if you didn't do some, know about Sankhya Tantish, you never taught us before. So why don't you bring on uh, Srivast Thakur and his other devotees and know Sankhya Tantish and teach us. But we're with you, we don't want to leave. And also, yes, Jai, you might have been keep Jai. Because the life hunter, I mean, before he came back after being initiated, he was doing Kajalpa, it seemed. All world's doing Kajalpa. He came back and then he was doing only Krishna Pantas. Even the students went to complain that the teacher, his teacher, Lord Chaitanya's teacher, what happened to him? He's changed. Now he's like talking about Krishna. So even in Chaitanya's Lila, he shows this. So many people don't actually wonder. Of course, sometimes you have to display a drama when you're in the workplace and not let people know that you're so much of a devotee. But 
especially if you worked in the Middle East. <laughs> an Arab country, but uh, maybe here in Australia it's not so heavy. Get away with them. Give people for shadow and be friendly. They may even ask you something about Krishna. Then we have to find the balance. But the idea is to really intimately associate with the bodies. That's what, what's so good about this kind of a retreat. You get a, a few days, you get to be in a total environment of associating with the bodies. Even when you're playing, even if they're playing games with the bodies, it's still it's more spiritual, you know, that they water sports for chants on Krishna's name or even the, the, the play is uh, more oriented towards Krishna and somehow the dance here Krishna is hopefully should the boy get the job done. So why don't we associate with the devotees and we wake up all the time with Krishna. Maharaj here, do you live? Accepting some of the scriptural rules and regulations for human benefit as utilitarian's advocate is called Niyama Agraha. So the word here is Niyama. All right, Niyama. Niyama means what? Anyone knows? Rules. Like the rules and regulations. And then you have the word Agraha. So if the, in, in the Sanskrit you can combine two words, so when it says niyama agraha, it means two things. It could be niyama agraha. So niyama and agraha combined becomes two a long and a short. It also becomes long. Two shorts become a long. So either way, it's going to have a long. So it could be both. So niyama means rules, and agraha means Enthusiasm, trying out an enthusiasm or uh, an involvement in following the rules. So one thing that's the Lani, so like Lani. Niyama, Niyama Agraha, that means accepting rules and regulations for me to benefit. Neglecting the rules and regulations, which are meant for spiritual devotees, called niyama agra, without the long short niyama agra. When he puts the two words together, niyama agra, it should be either. So being too fanatic for the rules, or being too negligent of the rules, either extreme is not good. Prabhupada said the word agra means eagerness to accept. And agraha means failure to accept. By the addition of either of these two words in the word niyama, rules and regulations, the word niyamagraha is formed. Thus niyamagraha has twofold meaning that is understood according to the particular combination of words. Those interested in Krishna consciousness should not be eager to accept rules and regulations for economic development, yet they should be very faithful to accept scriptural rules and regulations for the advancement of Krishna consciousness. They should strictly follow the regular principles by avoiding illicit sex, meeting and gathering. One should also avoid One should also avoid association with Mayavadis who simply blaspheme Vaishnavas, Bhukti Kamis who are interested in material happiness, Mukti Kamis who desire Liberation by emerging in existence of the formless absolute and city coming who desire perfection of mystic yoga practice. These are classified as atyaharis. 
To associate with such person is not all desirable. So, Nehemiah, you have some person, they're so fanatic, you know, maybe somebody's sick, you gotta go to Mangalai, force the person or you have to pass, you have to do something, they don't apply the rules properly because of over-excessiveness, they burn the person out, they're not really seeing what's the needs of that person spiritually, they're just fanatically following some rule without understanding what the purpose of the rule is, so that becomes Yamagra, just excessively following some rule and not really for Krishna consciousness, or doing it to show off to people but not actually wanting to be Krishna conscious. Then the other extreme is just neglecting. One spiritual practice is the final one is lovyam, means being greedy for material things, greedy for uh, obtaining things which are not needed for Krishna consciousness. So in this way, there's all the six things which are obstacles in our spiritual life. So it was very good guide by Rupa Goswami that we should avoid these uh, six obstacles in our Krishna consciousness so that we can advance and want to discuss briefly those things. The time is all over now. Teach us of the proper attitude for devotional service and Hare Krishna. Tomorrow we'll discuss the thing, six things family. There's one devotee in London and uh, he's, he does actually some kind of therapy and he does sometimes he goes right in the street and has his gym bay drum. And he gets people, you know, come on, come on. And then he does like that, and he starts playing and drumming. Okay, everybody stand up, everybody go like this, everybody say, need to high. And people do it. Like the karmis do it. They have, you know, it's like not religious, but it's just some kind of therapy. He was doing it in his hole at the Woodstock. It's a very nice way to break the ice and, and also wake up. You want to come on? Have, just have a little fun. <laughs> Icebreakers. I think you will regret this. Uh, we're going to do uh, snake dance. We're jumping on the right, on the left hand, uh, on the left sort of uh, legs. Legs, uh, one circle. We're chanting mantra. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.
That's just an automatic process that's explained in scriptures. All right, did anybody think then about what they have to be thankful for? Or is there anybody here you can thank for something? I mean, you can actually say right in front of everybody, so-and-so, you know, Kurma, thank you for making such nice cookbooks, or, you know, something to anybody. Right? And he likes noodles. <laughs> he comes for the noodles, right? <laughs> That's what he says, but actually he likes the sausage. Anyway, it's important. You think about it. You know, we actually owe everybody for everything, right? Anyone else have anything they're thankful for? Any esoteric things? books. That's a good one to think about if you think about all the things that you have to thank Prabhupada for. Who's got their hand? Yeah? Um, Maharaj, I'd like to thank um, Prabhupada probably for giving us this whole process and to be able to see the devotees change. You know, it's absolutely amazing to see them change in their devotional lives. Yeah, think of just somebody just starts thinking of all the things Prabhupada did that are just, every one of them is amazing. Like what? Okay. He went to London. <laughs> That's the first amazing thing. He went to America. Somehow he translated and got Bhagavatam published with practically no support. What else? Sending uh, the disciples to Australia to start the first branch of the Krishna Conscious Movement in Sydney. He what? Sending Upendra and Bali yeah, to yeah, Sydney. Did How did he exhibit this one? Tolerance. He was in the early days, he was um, very lenient with all his young disciples, and he didn't see. Um, the crazy lives they were living, he wasn't horrified or disgusted with them. He you know, was very loving and giving all the time, but he was always strict with himself. And he was That's right, he tolerated so much. First place he had to live in America, first he, first he didn't even have a place to live in that, that what was the name of that yogi? No, the guy he used to live with. Mr. Dr. Misha told Prabhupada, you can't speak at the meetings, you can only chant. Because Prabhupada would always defeat my body philosophies. Prabhupada couldn't speak. He lived in a little room with no windows. No, he had to go to the bus stand to have a bath. And he tolerated it. Um, uh, um, if um, credit to his room, Yeah. yeah, it's good to see. It's actually very nice. This is all from this camera. All the slides.
our videos be sure to subscribe to our channel we publish new videos every day 
And don't forget to like and share our channel.